Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fans of WWE and all of its products, this week will be a fiery week of the Playmakers Podcast Wrestling Edition. Uh, I'm sure if you notice this week, Darnell, he kind of takes the wheel and veers off the cliff a little bit, but you know what? That's okay. That is all right. My brother, you just let it out. Because we left SummerSlam weekend upset about a couple of things, but we could live with it. Then Raw and SmackDown happened. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at Dallas D. Glenn, D-A-L-L-A-S-D-G-L-E-N-N. But uh, I, uh, I had some Twitter commentary throughout Ron SmackDown, and you know I'm 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 just as confused as y'all. I don't know what's going on anymore. You know I um I work as a journalist covering independent promotions, and it's weird to me because it's just the the way that WWE does things. It's you can tell that they still kind of have that bubble mentality. But you know what? I'm not going to waste time during the intro. Uh, that's what the podcast is for. So please sit back, relax, grab something to eat, grab a drink, have that YouTube video that you like on in the background, and get ready. We can't hear you, A, because this is pre-recorded, but please vent right along with us. Air your frustrations, hit your table, because... This is one of those episodes. This is one of those episodes. So please, enjoy. Okay, ladies and germs, it is that time of the week again. The greatest time of the week. The best time of the week. It is time for the Playmakers Podcast Wrestling Edition. I think this is the fourth edition. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm your host of the wrestling side, Dallas Glenn. Along with my great co-host, Darnell Solomon. How you feeling, Playmaker? Oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm ready to get into it. I got some things to talk about. All right. That's all well and good. Just so you guys know the order of the show and how it will flow and not flow, we're basically going to talk about SummerSlam. We'll get to TakeOver. I promise we'll get to TakeOver. But basically, we're going to talk about SummerSlam. We're going to talk about the Raw and SmackDown after SummerSlam. And we're just going to try to digest everything. We're just going to try to make sense of it all, because quite frankly, to us, it doesn't make any sense. What's a heel anymore? What's a face? Who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? Are, are they listening? Are they not listening? What? But I, I don't know. But but to start off, we, we just, we'll just go as much as we can remember without having to Google the exact order of the card. Darnell, what did you think about the message? No, forget the order. Let's get down to the real business. In the hell is the WWE Championship being defended halfway through the damn show? No, 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 no. Because everything has an order, Darnell. Everything has a process. You can gloss over it, but you have to talk about those three matches because they happen. The tag team division, for instance. I don't understand how you'll want to skip over the Raw Tag Team Championship match in the kickoff show knowing what ended up happening on Raw. Like, it's irrelevant. I don't, I don't understand. The main event scene on SmackDown, the WWE Championship is basically a mid-card championship on pay-per-view. You don't think it's odd that Rusev lost on a pay-per-view? 
I mean, this, this, not, all these things matter. You have a guy who just challenged for the WWE Championship in a mixed tag match on the kickoff show. You have a team that looks like a bunch of scrubs who are the lovable baby faces who are now facing an incredible task if all things go the way we think they might go. And then you have the Cruiserweight Championship, well, which, quite frankly, that kind of doesn't matter. But, you know, the, the B-team winning is a big thing. Rusev losing is a big thing. Finn Balor being the demon after absolutely no advertising for that fact, ended up being a big thing. I mean, it's all, all this, the, the lower matches ended up meaning something because it was almost snap your finger overnight. It seemed. I mean, it, but the business, what, what do you think the business is? I know is it the world championship, uh, the universal championship, the women's championship, but which, which, which was most important to you, Darnell? Because now that we got the kickoff out the way, now we can get to the stuff that, like, really never made sense at all. Like I said earlier, and what everybody's talking about, why is the WWE Championship being defended halfway through the pay-per-view? Now, we understand you want Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar to be the main event. We get it. We understand it. We don't like it, but we get it. But that doesn't mean the United States Championship, the Raw Women's Championship, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin, even though he came out of the demon, should all go after the WWE Championship. It's disrespectful. It's like a slap to our faces. We deserve to see that championship being defended in his rightful spot. What's your guess on why they keep having WWE Championship in the mid-card on pay-per-view? If I had to guess, educally guess, they're trying to put a, di- a distance between the Universal title and the WWE title. The fact that people don't care about the Universal title because Brock Lesnar had a hostage for who knows how long they got to find some type of way to make sure the Universal title is the title of the company, which it is not. It is the WWE title. I agree. I mean, this has been your World Heavyweight Championship since 1968. You've had millions of other World Championships be defended in your company. You've had the NWA Championship appear in your company. You've had the WCW Championship appear in your company. You've had the ECW Championship appear in your company. Now you're having the Universal Championship appear in your company, and you just had your own version of the World Heavyweight Championship appear in your company. But time and time again, no matter where we're in, the WWE Championship is always what remains the constant. I'm not understanding how the WWE Championship doesn't main event a pay-per-view where the Universal Champion is not even going to be there. I don't understand how you let a match with absolutely no championship ramifications, both guys are on different brands, main event a pay-per-view. I don't get how backlash happens. I can understand the Intercontinental Championship being the main event of a pay-per-view 
because at the time we had no idea what the plan was. Like, you know, you're building up Ron Strowman as being Mr. Money in the Bank, which means that, okay, like, you know, Roman needs to look at his rearview mirror. You, you don't know what's going to happen. And then also Vince McMahon, for whatever reason, was trying to play chicken with the UFC. I mean, Brock Lesnar was getting paid seven figures to wrestle like six matches a year. What is there to negotiate? Like, there's, there's nothing to negotiate. Your promotion literally set a precedent to where if you can't defend the championship in 30 days, you vacate it. You just had Daniel Bryan vacate two championships successively because of injury. And you got this guy not showing up to two straight pay-per-views? So I guess emergency-wise, you had to build up the Intercontinental Championship just in case. Because literally at this point, it's like, you know, I guess Brock is just the biggest draw in combat sports, period. So I guess. But even still, it's like AJ Styles is there. Samoa Joe is there. Braun Strowman is there. Rusev is there. You have main eventers. Even Roman Reigns, you have main eventers that are there. So the world championship that a full-time main eventer holds needs to go on last. It's a reward to that main eventer. It's a reward to his challenger, and it's showing that, hey, Brock, it doesn't matter if you go to UFC. It doesn't matter what you do. The real world championship, the most prestigious world championship in the entire wrestling industry resides here. You're the fifth champion all time for the Universal Championship. Two of those dudes are part-timers. One guy only held it for a real reign, and Finn Balor got hurt. So wait, my bad. He's the fourth champion all time. I was saying the Roman Reigns. You're the fourth champion all time, dude. You you beat a a 50-year-old in a six-minute match. It was a spectacle. All your matches went less than six minutes with Goldberg. That's who you beat for. There was only one guy before that who was a full-time dude that held it. That title doesn't mean anything right now. That title doesn't mean anything. You see what they did the moment Roman Reigns got it. They defended it the very next show. They're desperately trying to get that thing caught back up. So to make the WWE Championship match at SummerSlam a big four pay-per-view, mid-card, mid-card, mid-card. Then at WrestleMania, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. You go from having at WrestleMania, ain't none of the main titles was defended in the main event. It was the Undertaker and like Roman Reigns at one of the one in Orlando. I think it was thirty four. Yeah. So there's no consistency of where the major championships should be defended at, which is one of your main problems. Because we was talking back and forth throughout the show. And you didn't like how they opened the show with the Intercontinental Championship. How do you have it main event the prior pay-per-view and you open with it? How, how do you have two matches? I get the significance of the Daniel Bryan Miz match, but hear me out. Hear me out. When the Miz was Intercontinental Champion, you literally had him in a six-man tag team match where he didn't defend the title and nobody was even in the building yet. 
So you're telling me when Miz is Intercontinental Champion, the championship that you just had main event the last pay-per-view, he was on a kickoff of that show match where he didn't even defend the championship but nobody was in the building. But now he's having a match with Daniel Bryan that's not even for a title. And it can't even open the show or replace one of the championships on the kickoff show that was being defended on the kickoff show? I mean, my thing is, yeah, that feud had a huge payoff. But listen to me. You've got a big four pay-per-view and championships aren't being defended on the main card. <laughs> then you wanna you wanna tell me <laughs> it's you, Darnell, you were trying to rationalize it by saying that, you know, NXT Takeover last night came out like a ball of fire and they were trying to match that. But here's the weird thing. Darnell, how much more can you open up like a ball of fire when two out of three matches on your kickoff show are championship matches? How how else can you bring eyes to the product by defending two championships on the kickoff show? Some people might be like, Dallas, you just contradicted yourself. Maybe. But the point is, the Intercontinental Championship doesn't need to open the main card. You're talking about three out of four matches already being championship matches. Then I think they turned around and did the, the SmackDown tag match. So now you got four out of five matches of championship matches. And I think so on and so on and so forth. And so they got to the WWE Championship. They defended championship after championship after championship. They tried to, quote unquote, give us a break with Elias. And then the other, it's, it's just, how do you do it to where the, the, the United States Championship goes on after the WWE Championship? People don't need breather matches during a big four pay-per-view. Matter of fact, the U.S. Championship was the final match of the SmackDown card. Let that sink in. It even went after Daniel Bryan and The Miz. There's, like, no justification. You're telling me Daniel Bryan and The Miz went on after the WWE Championship. The Miz won that match by pinfall. So, okay, The Miz beats Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam in a match that went on after the WWE Championship. So I should be able to say, well, dang, I guess The Miz can win the WWE Championship now. I guess The Miz isn't a mid-card anymore. How are you going to argue with me? He went on after the WWE Championship and won. You're telling me The Miz? If Shinsuke Nakamura can lose six WWE Championship matches, and then win the United States Championship and go on after AJ Styles, which title means more? Which title should Miz even be aiming for when he gets done with Daniel Bryan? Shoot, Randy Orton just won the United States Championship. Jeff Hardy had it. Jinder Mahal had it after winning the WWE Championship and holding it for a while. I mean, you got all the former WWE Championship. That's the thing about the U.S. Championship. It was the final match of the SmackDown card. Shinsuke successfully defends it because Jeff Hardy damn near killed himself again. Randy Orton comes out and does not a goddamn thing. It's literally like the Simpsons meme. He came out, took his coat off, put the coat back on, walked right back out the door. So, like, 
that's so that's the main thing we trying to wrap our head around when it comes to this past SummerSlam, the WWE Championship being defended halfway through the pay per view, and the fact that somehow we finished it off for SmackDown with the US Championship. But we're not going to dwell on that too long because I know he got some raw stuff to get into. We do, but that that it, it's even more confusing. It's even more confusing with the raw stuff. Dean Ambrose circled Seth Rollins like a shark like six times after Seth Rollins won the Intercontinental Championship. Everybody knows, I'm sure, if you read the site, Sports Illustrated, a dirt sheet, you know, a reputable blog like K-Side Seats. The plan was basically for Dean Ambrose to turn on the shield before he got hurt. So it would make sense if Dean Ambrose coming in buff with his completely new look. I mean, dude, he looks like a heel already. He comes back, Seth Rollins won the championship, then they just have that awkward period where just they're just like standing in the ring. Fast forward to Raw, the Shield gets back together. That's why I said like we gotta talk about the kickoff show, even if we gloss over it, because the B team is a baby face tag team. They're the lovable losers. Braun Strowman. The lucky winners. The, exactly. They're lucky winners, but their gimmick is basically being a lovable loser. It's it's weird. Braun Strowman not only keeps his briefcase, he squashes Kevin Owens. There wasn't a shadow of a doubt. So you have a, a baby face big man and a baby face tag team. Hold on, hold on. I hate to laugh. I hate to laugh, but I got it. This is funny. So we had Kevin Owens say, if he beats Braun Strowman again, he wins the briefcase. So we're going to have Braun Strowman lose in a countout against Jinder Mahal. We're going to have Braun Strowman lose to a disqualification against Jinder Mahal. All this, the, the hype up, like, Braun, if you lose at something, you lose the briefcase. And then within, what, three to five minutes, he just gets rid of Kevin Owens just like that. Five minutes is generous, dude. <laughs> like three. I'm just saying, like, see, this squash Kevin Owens. Like, he would even, he even nothing came into play. Like, Kevin Owens is the, well, he was. He's the second longest reigning Universal Champion of all time. How is Braun Strowman having legit matches with Jinder Mahal, who just now started winning championships? And Kevin Owens is like a, a he'll be a Grand Slam champion whenever Sami Zayn comes back from injury. Because by the time Sami Zayn comes back from injury, the tag team division should be open. The way they're booking the tag team championships right now, Sami Zayn could have won. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Owens is one win away from the Grand Slam championship, and he gets squashed, but Jinder Mahal has two wins over Mr. Money in the Bank. What? Like, huh? So now what you're telling me is two members of the Shield are singles champions and they're supposed to be baby faces. And we'll no. get to that part. I got to get through it. I got to get through this. I got to get through this. All four championships, all five championships on Raw are being held by baby faces. 
all five, technically six, if you want to include the Money in the Bank briefcase. All those championships are being held by baby faces. After a big four pay-per-view. Huh? I mean, I mean, let's be honest. We all knew what Ronda Rousey was going to do to Alyssa Bliss. That wasn't. That wasn't nothing new on that one. We knew what was going to happen. And that's all well and good. That's why we haven't really talked about it that much. My point is Ronda Rousey has heels to go against. Nia Jax can turn heel at the drop of a dime. Alicia Fox is a heel, and she's uh, Alexa Bliss's sidekick right now. She has Alexa Bliss. Um, she has the Riot Squad. I mean, there are heels. She has Stephanie McMahon. Good gosh, she has Stephanie McMahon. There Not are heels for Ronda Rousey to go against. Not to mention, I know everybody knows this, but uh, the Bellas are back. And Brie Bella has a match um, the next pay-per-view. She She's booked. So that means that Brie, at least, is on SmackDown. So that means, like, Nikki's wide open. Hey, it's been very public. She's not with John Cena anymore. So that whole wherever John is, blah, blah, hey, right now, whether it's a work or not, she ain't with John Cena. So... Is she going to go against Charlotte? Well, let's be real. If she's not with John, if she doesn't have that kind of pool... She's not going she's not going against Charlotte. We ought to know who's going against Charlotte. Exactly. Exactly. But, but then again, it's like, dude, let's be real. You'll have a good match, but who's really going to... Who really thinks they'll book Nikki Bella over Charlotte? Just the politics of it. Who... who Nikki... Who's Nick? Who, no, nobody's going to book Nikki Bella over Charlotte. I don't even think Vince Russo would do that. So, like, you, you know who she's going to go against. So she's going to be on Raw. It's like, come on, dude. Like, the women's championship makes sense. But how is every male championship held by a baby face when there are no heels? You just, you just bury Kevin Owens. Can, what title can Kevin Owens go for right now and be like, oh, he has a chance. Oh, yeah, Kevin Owens is going to go against Seth Rollins and win any kind of championship. I believe that. That was it. He's getting one more shot at the Intercontinental Championship because he has to. You know why? Who else is there besides his sidekick? The four what? heels right now, the five heels right now are Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. Like, and, tell and whenever that. they feel like, you know, start having authors of pain play around with Titus Worldwide, they go, you go your tag team heel right there. <laughs> yes, you're one, you're one tag team heel. You just put the shield back together, and we'll get to that part. I know I keep saying that, but like, you just put the shield back together. Like, you just made yet another baby face tag team possibly. Like, but you know, you know, let's 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 get back to the women's because I know you have something very interesting to say about this heel turn from Becky Lynch and what happened on SmackDown. WWE.com basically put up a poll. Not basically, they did. They put up a poll 
the question was along the lines of, have you always been with Becky Lynch uh, before she had a women's championship match or whatever? The yes answer was worded like, yes, I've always been with Becky. The no answer was worded, no, I wasn't with Becky until after she got beat by Charlotte. Darnell, it was 91 to 9%. Yes. 91% of people said on a WWE.com polls that was specifically worded that they've always been with Becky Lynch. On the YouTube video, they edited out the part where she said that the fans were never with her, but they kept in the cheers. Now, I would love to give WWE credit and say, oh my God, they might have just created the female Stone Cold. They might have just created that one female superstar that tried to turn heel, did everything to be a heel, and it got them more over as a babyface. But dude, this is completely accidental. This is one of the few times where WWE is probably going to make a hard left and fix an F up before it's too late. What's confusing to me, though, is how are you about to recognize this mistake with Becky Lynch? And you, you, it's almost like you make the mistake last night of doing an accidental turn or making the lines kind of blurry. Then you realize like the next night, you know what? Okay, that style of booking isn't going to work for us. Maybe Ring of Honor can do it. Maybe New Japan can do it. Maybe Impact can do it. But WWE, we have to have heels and faces. We can't, we, we can't, nah, because I, I don't, I don't get it. Because Becky Lynch, basically became even more of a baby face. What she did on Tuesday might have portrayed the most sympathetic heel in WWE history. I'm not going to say wrestling history because if anybody has ever worked for or with the NWA, Shane Douglas might be the most sympathetic heel in wrestling history. But as far as WWE history goes, it's Becky Lynch. That What she did on Tuesday, how was she a heel? You take out that stupid sentence about the whole, the crowd was never with me, blah, blah, blah. Everything else, that's a tight, that's a, that's an enraged and fueled, motivated babyface promo. It's, it's the whole, it's like, it's like when the Usos turned face. The Usos were the exact same gimmick. They were still the Uso penitentiary. They were just baby faces. The Usos can go out and whoop up on somebody right now and they'll get cheered because it'll be the Usos coming back to reclaim their spot, not the Usos turning heel. That's how I feel that this Becky Lynch thing is right now. And I think that WWE, by making that poll and having 91% of people vote that they were with Becky the whole time, I think I didn't vote, but I'm, I'm part of that 91, even though I didn't vote. And he will tell you. Yeah. Everybody, everybody is. I think me and you in private conversations were talking about how it was messed up that Charlotte got into the triple threat match and she didn't even do nothing. Like Becky's been waiting forever to get back to a relevant feud and Charlotte just comes back and, and, and gets to beat Carmella. It's like, dude, like you just had Carmella beat Oscar like four times. And Charlotte just comes back off of injury and wins? Like, 
C- come on, bro. She got to be everybody. All right. Never, never remind everybody at home. If you was listening last week, remember I said anything that we were talking about the women wrestling, it was pointing towards the Evolution pay per view. That's how I got the sense of I think Becky's gonna turn if she doesn't win the championship because they're trying to set something big up for this big behind pay per view. And like what Dallas like to say, they might be overdoing. I think themselves. Like, since we started this podcast, I think I say that every week. And every week, WWE does something where it's just like, was that necessary? Like, did you really have to make that move? Like, you could have went the other way. So, don't don't think that this Becky Lynch Charlotte rivalry is just going to go just to hell in a cell. I'm pretty sure this is going to drag all the way to October. Because now what they got to do is they have to make Charlotte do something heelish so Charlotte can be the heel in the story. Becky might keep that same fury and intensity, but it'll be similar to like how Bailey was against Shasha Banks before that feud went nowhere. She'll still be the baby face. She'll just be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Whereas Charlotte Flair is probably going to do the whole, you know, I felt sorry for you, and that's why I kept you around, blah, 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 Ric Flair-style promo. But that's, but now that they're going to have to go this route, of course it's going to go to Evolution. They got to figure out how to write this thing right. That's, that's the women's side. And I expect Nikki, at some point, either Nikki or Natalia to do something to Ronda Rousey going towards October. Yeah, because this is already booked to face Trish Stratus. So that means somebody else is going to be in the Raw Women's Championship match. But back to the male superstars. Let's dive more into this Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Shield thing. This is funny. Because, you know, we're going to main event with the Universal Championship. All of a sudden, Braun Strowman music hits. I'm probably thinking like everybody else was. Braun Strowman had himself to this match. It's going to be a triple threat match for the championship. But he doesn't. He does the I'll wait after the match. That way I can look at you in your face when I cash in. And then all of a sudden, you know, Braun Lesnar, instead of running by Roman Reigns, he beats up Braun Strowman and then gets beat by Roman Reigns. Hmm. I did pick Roman Reigns, but I didn't think it was going to happen like that. I'm going to let you talk about Raw. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll start. I'm going I'm to talk about this in the aftermath of this, but I'm going to start from the match, even though you kind of just went over it. What I didn't get was Brock Lesnar has been he, – he's pinned Braun Strowman one-on-one. He's pinned Samoa Joe one-on-one. He pinned Roman Reigns in a fatal four-way match that had Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe in it. He just attacked Roman Reigns the Raw before. He is a former UFC heavyweight champion. I'm saying all this to say this. 
why would Braun? Why was Brock Lesnar worried about Braun Strowman cashing in? You, you, he just squashed Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. He won with the luck of the Irish at the Greatest Royal Rumble. You have Roman Reigns' number. You should be able to take Roman Reigns to Suplex City, take an energy drink, and take Braun right there with him. If Braun was going to just sit there and just wait for whoever won the match, Brock Lesnar should have just decimated Roman Reigns, in theory, and looked at Braun like, are you sure you want some of this right now? Why are you so scared of Braun now that he has a Money in the Bank briefcase that you beat up Braun and completely leave a three-time WWE champion alone in the ring to recover? Once again, <laughs> once again, because I'm, 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 I'm about to get to the good part, guys. WWE is beginning to outthink themselves. Braun Stro- Brock Lesnar beats up Braun Strowman. He he incapacitates Braun Strowman. <laughs> Soon as he gets in the ring, quick sequence, spear, Roman Reigns wins the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns is celebrating. While he's celebrating, in the camera shot, you see Braun Strowman just sitting there. Brock Lesnar threw the briefcase up to the stage at the entrance ramp. And Braun Strowman is just laying there, incapacitated from Braun, from Brock Lesnar hitting him with his own briefcase as the pay-per-view fades to black. He's in the same camera shot, Darnell. So the night, the next night, the first segment, an explanation as to why Demon Finn Balor came out and squashed Baron Corbin is finally given. They they just they they realize, wait a minute, uh, we just got the Universal Championship back on the full timer. Uh, Roman Reigns, we we need to make him start looking legit because uh, he got squashed by Brock. He lost to Brock in a cage match that he kind of sort of won. And then he needed a huge distraction by Braun Strowman to beat Brock last night. Uh, wait a minute. We kind of booked our top guy to not look like a top guy. Uh, we had him lose a lot of matches before this. He probably needs to defend the title tonight. So you bring out Finn Balor. It makes sense. The demon. One of your, one of your two you like to say never got their rematch. Exactly. He never got his rematch. The demon came back and squashed Baron Corbin. And, you know, on one hand, I can't be mad at how they did the match because they protected Finn Balor in the process. What do you mean, Dallas? The demon came back out of nowhere and squashed Baron Corbin. It let the people know that the demon is not even, it's, it's less than a waste of time. There wasn't even enough time for it to be wasted. He got rid of Baron Corbin quick, but he had his championship match as regular Finn Balor, which means that Vince McMahon, who makes the final decisions on the main roster, recognizes that the demon character (laughs) is a main eventer and is over. So he's not going to do that for the sake of Roman, which is a great, great, great sign in the long term. That being said, Ron Strowman comes out 
after Roman's successful title defense. No, during his title defense. They do the whole thing where Roman's distracted and Finn almost sneaks up on him. Roman Reigns, uh, Finn misses the coup de grace, does the um, tactical roll through, gets speared. So Braun, so Roman Reigns technically isn't even that beat up. The match was actually kind of quick when you think about it, Darnell. The match was only like 11 minutes. For, for a world title match, you know, 11 minutes, that, that's kind of short. It really it ain't too grueling and gruesome. So, you know, he gets the win. It's pretty quick. And, yeah, it's Braun Strowman. And, yeah, Braun Strowman kicked him in the gut and made him fly across the ring. That was kind of funny. But um, there wasn't anything where it's like, you know, something can happen. Uh, Roman Reigns can get out of town. Um, he can hit a spear. And then Braun Strowman rolls out the ring. Um, there's ways that they could have did it. To where Roman Reigns is a babyface champion trying to keep his title. And Braun Strowman is a babyface who, you know, he he couldn't catch him. It's a game of cat and mouse. But no, the shield comes out. And, and this is where I know me and you might spend a couple minutes on because I think we both get each other's point. I don't think we're necessarily saying that one or the other is wrong. It's just I think it's us trying to like figure out how this makes sense in the long run. The shield comes out and saves Roman from a baby face cashing in on him. Then it turns into a three-on-one assault with Roman leading the charge to do the triple powerbomb. Darnell, this is what made it seem like the shield are heels to me. Because when Braun Strowman was about to get powerbombed the first time, he kicked Roman off and threw the other guys around. Then Roman came with the spear and did the taunt. That little sequence right there to me was like, wait a minute, that's that's not a babyface move. Like he 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 fights off three people on his own and the crowd starts cheering. Then Roman hits a spear from off camera and does a taunt when he's like winning a three-on-one fight. That's that's not baby-faced to me. <laughs> that doesn't scream good guy to me. Then they do the triple powerbomb and they all do the fist over the white meat big man baby face. I know that your point is they will, future tense, will turn Braun Strowman heel. But the weird thing to me is at that moment in time, he was not a heel. He was a straight-up white meat baby face who had just won a tag team championship with a 10-year-old. You can't do a three-on-one attack with a baby face. I think. Well, I went back and I watched it several times. And a part of me is starting to think that Vets probably got what he wanted. Because when Braun Strowman did what he did, the place went crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, Roman's going to lose his title. Everybody's going to be happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> the sheer music hits, and the place blew up again. It wasn't no blue in sight while they were beating up Braun Strowman. So I think what's happening is, I think, I think that's what they wanted. Because now they get to pick and choose which way to go with either side. 
So my thinking is, I'm pretty sure Dean Ambrose is turning heel at some point in given time within before the before this year is over with. Yeah. And I'm thinking around that same time, can Braun Strowman turn heel at that same time? I mean, very rarely has WWE actually utilized the one-year gimmick. When Dolph Ziggler won against Alberto Del Rio, it was kind of sort of like they they were teasing that his time was almost up, but Dolph Ziggler wasn't actively in situations where, oh, um, I'm just waiting and biding my time. It was kind of sort of they just didn't book him, quite frankly. But this time it's like, okay, now you can use that one-year gimmick for Braun Strowman to chase this chicken around the coop. Like, he has all the way till June. He has two months after WrestleMania to finally cash this in. So, I mean, like I said, I don't think you're wrong. I think that we're just trying to find the middle ground to figure out what is all of this. Because it was, it was a confusing segment, dude. So, I mean, the end game before Dean got hurt was for the Shield to main event WrestleMania in a triple threat. But here's the problem. Before Dean got hurt, Braun didn't have the briefcase. That's why I was so upset that a Raw guy won the briefcase. Once again, WWE trying to outthink themselves, trying to make themselves look smarter than everybody else, even though they're the promotion. You're the promotion. You make the money. You're the one that's actually in the wrestling business. Why are you trying to swerve us? We're just going to turn in and watch anyway. You don't need to outthink us. You don't even let, need to let us know that you're listening. You're the promotion. Run the show. Like, to give not just any Raw guy, but Braun Strowman, the Money in the Bank briefcase, especially looking in hindsight how this Samoa Joe, AJ Styles feud is going. I mean, it's just you booked yourself into a corner because now you have a situation where you're going to have a Shield main event at WrestleMania, in theory, hypothetically, if you have this Shield main event, no matter who wins, Braun is going to cash in. And the other two are going to be like, they're, they're not the Shield anymore. The Shield's not going to get back together after a triple threat match over the WWE Championship just because. That's stupid. So you're going to have a hellacious triple threat, then have Braun Strowman cash in? Or, or is Dean going to turn heel after a title defense and take out Seth and Roman then Braun cashes in. And, and if that's the case, does Dean turn heel at the Royal Rumble? I, I would imagine you have to do that at a big four pay-per-view, right? You don't want to just waste that. Even though every pay-per-view is co-branded, you don't want to just waste that on TLC or Hell in a Cell. You're already going to skip October because of the all-women's pay-per-view. So you can't do that angle in October. So and plus you got to this showdown on the 6th of October. Dude, they're not going to do, look. So, like, they're not, they're, not, like, they're not doing that for a house show in Australia. I'm sorry. The and then you got Survivor Series, and Survivor Series is basically the two brands going against each other. Yeah, they changed that whole, like, format. It used to be you would have a brand versus brand match and a rivalry match from each brand, and you would still defend the world titles here and there. The world championships wouldn't be involved. 
Now they've done it to where it's all champion versus champion, and they have the Survivor Series match. So now it's like, again, it's like, dog, so you just, you're going to make, you're going to have to wait till like January. Because even though every pay-per-view is is co-branded, are you really going to do that at TLC? Are you really going to waste that on TLC? Dog, like, so, so let's let's talk about it from, and this is what I was getting to before with the kickoff show with the B team. Like, dude, if the luckiest goddamn tag team champions I have ever watched in my goddamn wrestling life. Well, I'm so sick of it. Well, I, I don't know why. I don't know why you're still so upset because clearly you're not seeing where I'm going with this. The B team are baby faces, and you, and you know what makes it even worse, Darnell? The B team still could have been heels. I think when the B team won the tag team championships off the Delita of Worlds, they were still heels in a way. But when they had that segment with the Miz, they had the B team reject the Miz. When you had the B team reject the Miz, that was their full blown, okay, they're baby faces. But now you have the shield back together. And what makes it even worse is like, okay, so the Undisputed Era are free birding the NXT tag team championships. The New Day are free birding the WWE Tag Team Championships. So okay, you have, two teams that are free, you have two teams that are free birding. Dean Ambrose is just going to walk around without a title. His two teammates have the singles championships. You're not going to have Dean Ambrose have a title. He's just going to walk around naked. You're not going to have the Shield just blow through the B team. Maybe have a feud with Authors of Pain, like Rollins and Ambrose can have a feud with Authors of Pain. Because, I mean, let's be real. Roman Reigns will never defend the Tag Team Championship. But I think WWE realized their mistake. When the Shield was together the first time, they should have free the Tag Team Championships. I think WWE recognized that mistake when the New Day got together and when they won. Because if people forget, Xavier was just a manager at first. He was a manager with tights, basically. So I mean it's it's like that but all the champions are baby faces. So if you try to come back next week and tell me that Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose are still baby faces, who's gonna feud with who? Cause you got four heels right now and you buried them all. Like I'm I'm seriously thinking to myself, like, besides the revival and authors of pain. Who are the heels? The four guys we named in the revival and authors of pain. Who are the heels on Raw? Who is a credible heel on Raw? Who's a heel that can have a WWE Championship match tomorrow on Raw? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think none of us know the answer to that right now. But you did bring up the New Day. That was quite interesting, oh, what happened on SmackDown. Yeah, it was. And, you know, what happened is... They can't can't win straight up. Rowan got hurt. It was a legit injury. Um, Because some people I saw on Twitter were confused. The bicep injury happened during the match. I don't know if that affected the finish, though. Because I would imagine if he has a hurt bicep, it's hard to do the crucifix powerbomb spot. But he got hurt during the match. They found out after the match... It was so bad that he had to take the dreaded Birmingham visit. 
anybody who pays attention to pro sports, any journalists or podcasters that cover sports, you know when an athlete has to go to Birmingham, it's a wrap. Their season's done. So that's why they turned around and had the New Day win the championships. And they had them win in a no DQ because it's basically what me and Darnell were talking about when we were making our predictions. There was no way that the New Day was going to win straight up against the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm sorry. Mind you, Bingy was in the locker room. Yeah, like it was legit straight up. It was two on two. They had to do a no DQ match because even though they had a a good back and forth match, that was supposed to be a long-term feud. That was supposed to be New Day being made credible for the sake of a long-term feud. They weren't, that match wasn't supposed to be like, oh, the New Day is immediately like a super serious, no, no, like, nah, they were still baby faces. They still weren't going to cheat. And it was still two monsters. So they needed to know DQ so that way they could do heel stuff and use weapons without being heels. So it's like, you know, it's one of them things where it's like me and Darnell, I picked New Day because some chicanery or whatever, and he picked the Bludgeon Brothers and the Squash. In a way, we were both right because WWE basically showed us like, hey, even though Rowan is hurt and we need to take the belts off of them, we still can't have them just win. We can't have them just do a roll-up. They need they need a lot on their side. They need a lot of things they can do because nobody's going to believe that Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods can beat that team. In a million years. Nah, I'm sorry. Like I know the New Day is WWE's version of the Elite, and I know the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are the current IWGP tag team and singles heavyweight champions. I get that. They're the top guys. Dog, like New Day is not that. Like the elite are comical, but they they've had those matches. The New Day, to their credit, I mean they've beaten the tag teams, but when it came time to put up or shut up, they had them lose against the Shield. So I mean the New Day, I I I feel like Biggie being in the locker room was a sign for maybe them trying to like. There's been rumors forever. They didn't want it to have Big E do a single run. But my thing is, and the New Day's thing have been, why do they have to break up? The New Day has said this on record in interviews. Why do they have to break up? Why does everything always have to be? Well, we want him to be a single star. Okay. Have us be a trio that's a stable. We'll be the tag team champions. Big E can be the United States champion. They don't have to break up. I don't get how you have a stable like Evolution, but then you look at the New Day and think they have to break up. That baffles me. Oh, this year. Exactly. That baffles me. Like, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are two of your singles champions, but you're going to sit here with a straight face and tell me Big E needs to move on from the New Day to have a singles run. Okay, your two singles champions on Raw are in a stable. What? You broke up the shield so that they all could have singles runs and reach their potential. But then you put the shield back together when two out of the three members are singles champions. And Darnell, at the end of the day, I mean, that's just, that's kind of sort of the theme of this episode, isn't it? WWE does one thing, then they turn around and do something completely different, and it's the fans' fault when the fans complain. With the Becky Lynch thing, 
I, I agree that the fans need to cool down because if she's supposed to be a heel and WWE wants her to stay a heel, if we want her to get a push, we need to play along. On the other hand, stuff like the Shield getting back together with two singles championships and you guys are teasing Big E being in the locker room and not being involved at all. And there's rumors of them breaking up so he could be in a singles career. But you had Evolution have every championship and they never freebirded. Like, you, it's consistency. And where does all of this come from, in my opinion? What? NXT TakeOver. Five matches. Outshine. What is it? 13 of SummerSlam. I, I said this before. Dudes, NXT TakeOver was a full star better than SummerSlam. At least one full star. They gave the matches time to breathe. WWE wants to put on 13 matches and build a story for all 13 matches, but give, give each match 15 minutes. Like, shoot. If the whole segment is 15 minutes and you do the dumb little promo video, now you're only giving them 10 minutes in the ring after they do their entrances. NXT TakeOver, what Triple H is doing over there, Triple H is giving his mid-card championship instant credibility. He's, he's, he, again, look at Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era is simultaneously free-birding a tag team championship while their leader is in a feud for the NXT North American Championship. You just had a guy who's a double champion by free-bird rules. But you want Big E to have to leave the New Day to have a singles run? But, but that's besides the point. Undisputed Era. Two-on-two match. Great match. Awesome match. No weapons. The opening match. Like, dude, like... Great opening match. You have a champion retained. Championship doesn't change hands. Still a great match. Then you have a non-championship match between Velveteen Dream and EC3. You have two heels, which is, again, inconsistency. You got two heels going against each other. But the bar couldn't face the Bludgeon Brothers over a championship. It doesn't matter if you're a heel or a face. When there's gold on the line, there is gold on the line. You just had two heels go against each other for no reason, except that they both have huge egos. That was a great match. A death, a rolling Death Valley driver on the apron to a top rope elbow on the apron to win the match. People don't even realize that was actually Velveteen Dream's first major win. He lost the six-man ladder match. He lost against Aleister Black, and he lost against Ricochet. That was actually his first time winning a feud. And speaking of Ricochet, him and Adam Cole. Look. Look, man. Look, if you don't watch the end, and this is your first time watching guys like Adam Cole and Ricochet, my God, you're missing out. They've been doing this, but that match that they put on, that moonsault into the super kick spot, Jesus. That man, look. I'm sorry. That, I'm, that I'm, match all weekend. 
I'm sorry. Like when Shawn Michaels kicked Shelton Benjamin out the air, everybody talked about that spot for ten years. But dude, I'm sorry. Shawn Michaels, he he developed in Texas. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, he developed in OVW. I'm sorry. Ain't no OVW guys putting on the match that Adam Cole and Ricochet put on. You can say whatever you want about the indies. You can do whatever bingo hall jokes you want to do. You can say it doesn't matter if it's not. You can say whatever you want, man. Adam Cole and Ricochet put on a match that should make the OVW guys on the main roster feel some way about themselves. They can brush it off and look at their bank accounts. That's all well and good. They can brush off and say, well, I've been here. And I, I, they can they can say that, too. But when it comes to match quality, Jesus. I don't even think Adam Cole and Ricochet have had that many matches together. If they have, I think I can count it on one finger. They actually haven't wrestled each other a lot. But the chemistry that they showed, the match they put on, Jesus, man. Like, Ricochet's 6.30 centon was maybe the calmest maneuver in the entire match. Ricochet's finisher was like the safest move in the entire match. And there and the title changed hands. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. The Intercontinental Championship match, it was all good and stuff. But man, I'm sorry. The Intercontinental Championship match was not the NXT North American Championship match. I'm sorry. The United States Championship match isn't even in discussion. We're not going to talk about that when comparing it to that match. So you have your tag team championship and your mid-card championship already have better matches. No, no, actually, I'll say that the SmackDown tag championship match and the NXT tag championship match are like pretty even. I hate the whole DQ finish thing, but I get it because they were trying to do a long-term feud. But even still, like you got an NXT, you got a developmental tag team having better tag team matches or just good tag team matches as your main roster tag teams. Come on, bro. You got the mid-card championship looking better than your main roster mid-card championships. Yeah, because they got the damn titles on the luckiest team ever. You're really stuck on that, huh? I'm sorry, man. They don't do a finishing move, but they are winning. Like, you're really going to bring that up every segment, huh? I can't help it. Anyway. The fact still remains the women's championship match. Dude, like, if we're, I, Ronda Rousey had to win. We get that. But if you're really going to sit here with a straight face and tell me the Ronda Rousey match was better than the SmackDown match or the NXT women's match, you're crazy. You're smoking. All you do is watch WWE. You haven't watched a, a, a single match in any other promotion ever. You didn't watch WCW. You didn't watch ECW. You didn't watch Impact. You don't watch nothing but WWE if you think that Ronda Rousey's match was better than Shayna Baszler and Kerry Sane's match. Uh, Kari Sane. I'm sorry. I think, I think some people don't like how it ended, but when you actually look at that match, they did everything. <laughs> and like, nothing would put each other away, so you had to, somebody had to steal it. Exactly. The way they were doing that match, nobody was going to just hit a finisher. You had to catch the other one slipping. Like, it, was, it was literally Sane, a wrestling match. Sane did the elbow like three, four times. And did not put Blazer away. Shayna Baszler tried to hit her submission finisher, and when she did hit it, Kari Sane did the roll up. Like, wow, a wrestling move after a wrestling sequence actually won a wrestling match 
for a wrestling championship. That's wild. That's crazy. I guess that can happen every once in a while. Not every damn match like the B team, but I guess it can happen every once in a while. Then you have the main events. The last man standing match. The only thing that didn't happen, they, they just didn't go to the Attitude Era. That's the only thing that didn't happen in that match. Actually, dude, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Think about it. When Tommaso Ciampa did that flying knee strike with the chair through the barricade, he picked up the guy Johnny Gargano knocked out, threw him on top of Johnny Gargano, threw chairs on top of Johnny Gargano, threw a damn table on top of Johnny Gargano. No, I get what you're saying. What I'm saying is when I say attitude error, all that they didn't do is bust each other open. Oh, well, they was doing that. It was aggression there, too. I mean, that's really the thing you want to go to. But yeah, like the only thing they didn't do was bleed. And that's another thing. It's like, it's crazy to me how NXT only had one gimmick match. Think about it. They had a five match card, Darnell, and only one match was a gimmick match. And that match was for the NXT World Title. So, wow, you can have a card with five matches. You can have two champions defend, two champions lose, and a non-championship match. Four of them are regular matches. One of them is a gimmick match. And you can have a better pay-per-view than SummerSlam? And SummerSlam goes on the next night in the same city? I mean, See, if you, if you watch NXT TakeOver, you understand why I was trying to tell Dallas when they opened up with the Intercontinental Challenge. I'm like, they trying to have a blast and start because NXT went through the roof. Well, and here's the thing, and here's the thing, like, I get that, but I feel like if you watched NXT TakeOvers before, then you'd realize, okay, that's not the first time an NXT TakeOver was good. That's not the first time an NXT TakeOver was better than a main roster pay-per-view. They're always better than the main roster pay-per-views. So for Vince McMahon to finally say, oh, I want to compete with my developmental brand. Darnell, think about it for a second. Why would Vince McMahon say, I'm trying to compete with my developmental brand? I'm trying to compete with my promotions trainees. What promoter would ever say that? They wouldn't. But I just had that sense. Because it was almost like everybody knew what the main event was and what the match was supposed to be before it, but it felt like it switched it up at the last minute. Again, they're too damn smart. They're too smart for their own good. My, I'm just, if, if your reason is for switching up the cars is because we don't want our car to be too predictable, it's too smart for your own good. Why do you care what we think? We're paying the $10 to see the damn pay-per-view. Some people, even though the pay-per-view is only $10, are still paying the hundreds of dollars to go to the actual show just to watch it on some big screen because they can't see the two ants in the ring. Why do you care? All In is like the only independent show in the American scene right now to even do five figures worth of people. Nobody else is doing five figures worth of people on a regular basis. A sold out show on the independence is anywhere from 500 to 3,000 people. 
that is a sold out show on the American Independence. Can't nobody touch WWE. Why are things to try to not seem predictable for the dirt sheet? Why serve the dirt sheet when they're still doing sold out houses with the dirt sheet spoiling everything? You know, this thing you want if y'all trying to still figure out why man Dallas is the way we are right now is because. If you go back and look at our picks, Dallas did a good job picking. I did terrible. But when it was all said and done, I was right, and I'm trying to figure out how I was right. Because nothing the night before set up anything. Like, everything got undone, basically. You know, I brought up the demon. Didn't know he was going to be up here at SummerSlam. I brought up the shield. Didn't know they were going to get back together that quickly. They didn't even do a shield promo. They just came out in the gear and everything. They didn't come out in street clothes to help Roman. They came out with the theme song and the gear. They came out with a completely different gimmick. And they were just on TV two hours earlier. You know, I'm I'm baffled. Like, how? Like, this is crazy, but we got to move on. Next pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell, September 16th, so... Yeah, you know, and um, real quick for everybody, because, you know, it, we're the, the, the fire is kind of sort of dwindling. The NXT episode, it was it was just a recap. Pete Dunne defended. Pete Dunne is – I didn't even know he's had the NXT UK championship for over 400 days. They're clearly going to have him be the face of the brand. They've had him literally – defending that championship all over the United Kingdom. And Progress, ICW, uh, and some of the other ones that Triple H has, like, talked to and everything. So, um, you know, it's it's weird, man. 205 Live, they kind of... I think Drew Gulak is going to be the next heel that helps 205 Live get over. I think Drew Gulak right now is getting the push but I think Leo Rush is going to be that other heel. Because me personally, when we're talking American pro wrestling, when we're talking the American style of professional wrestling, you don't have a show without a heel. Like like what Raw is doing right now, they're showing you what happens when you don't have a heel. They're showing you what happens when Brock Lesnar has been your top heel this whole time and you've been focused on making sure Roman Reigns is the top baby face the whole time. This is what happens when everything in the end is all for your baby faces. This is what happens when you want to be the family-friendly program and sell toys all the time. You don't have a heel. You have baby faces doing heel stuff to other baby faces, and you're probably going to turn around and tell us that you're baby faces. And then the baby face that you turned heel, nobody wants her to be a heel because she's a baby face. 205 Live, however, if you notice. Darnell and anybody else who actually watches, when Neville was champion, that's when the Cruiserweight division got the most attention on Raw. That's when the Cruiserweight division seemed the most credible on Raw. It wasn't just these boring matches with a bunch of spots and everything. It was actually Neville and his dominance in the Cruiserweight division. And when Akira Akira Tozawa won... It was literally like Neville had to show him. He had to correct him. He had to let everybody in the locker room know, this is what happens when you think you're better than me. Then Neville left. Enzo Amore was the top heel. 
Enzo Amore, everybody literally hated him. People genuinely wanted him to lose. People genuinely were tired of seeing him. And when he lost the championship, then won it back, people got sick. Like, dude, I'm sorry. My cousin might get a kick out of this from me saying this. Baby face high flyers who aren't in a tag team, it's very hard in the American style of pro wrestling to get them over. That's why Jeff Hardy was so special. That's why they pulled the trigger on Jeff Hardy even when he was young and immature and on drugs. They said, we don't know how long we can ride this plane, but as long as it's in the air, we're hitching something to it. Because they knew Jeff Hardy was one of those rare high-flying baby faces that could go to the main event. 205 Live, they need heels to be champions. That's when the brand is at its best, when a heel is champion. What's sad, though, Darnell, is NXT has a heel as champion. NXT had a women's champion that was a heel, and their women's division was just fine. Uh, They got heels as tag team champions, and they had a heel as North American champion who passed it off to a babyface. Like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, hey, when is the main roster going to get it? When is Raw, when are the writers for Raw and SmackDown going to look at 205 Live and NXT and realize, wait a minute, why does Triple H always make sure a heel is in the mix? How, how come those shows, how come people like those shows and heels are in the mix? I thought the whole thing was about baby faces. I thought everybody wanted to see the baby face win in the end. No. I mean, when everybody knows the stick, when everybody knows what really goes on, what what is a heel anymore? Darnell, what, what, what really is a baby face anymore? When everybody knows the jig, when the jig is up, who's a bad guy and who's a good guy at this point? The fans hijack the show. They cheer for who they want to cheer for, boo who they want to boo. What's the benefit of WWE really sticking with this halfway traditional booking? Darnell, I would venture to say that WWE is slowly starting to realize that their traditional style of family-friendly booking isn't going to get it done in this era of professional wrestling. Everybody has a $5 or $10 streaming service right now. Everybody puts their TV shows and pay-per-views on YouTube. Everybody has somebody who's on Twitter or Facebook or on a blog or a website covering the results of their match. The the NWA has people writing about them. All In, the, the biggest independent show ever. All In isn't even a promotion. It's just a show. People are talking about this show every day. It, it's 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 not the days where Vince McMahon was the only guy on TV. Those days are over. People have options. Like, long-term going forward, not even just The Shield, not even just Becky Lynch, like long-term going forward, do you think that the main roster will adjust to 205 Live and NXT? Do you think they'll take the hint? That's a good question, and I don't have an answer for it. And, and you know what? Hey, that's fair. Because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, at the end of the day, NXT and 205 Live, they're in the same promotion. I, I think Vince McMahon, and even with the brand split, Vince McMahon 
did the brand split for the most conceited reason ever. He didn't have anybody to compete with. He did the brand split so he could literally compete with himself. But now he's in an era where he doesn't need to compete with himself. WWE is still the number one, but that's because WWE has the money to be number one. It's a question that nobody will have a snap answer to because Raw, SmackDown were just so confusing. I feel like the NXT episode, it was weird because you get so used to seeing stuff happen. You get so used to the fallout. You get so used to what's going to happen tomorrow. You get so used to what's going to happen on Tuesday or Friday or Thursday, whatever the hell day SmackDown is on. You get so used to what's going to happen after the pay-per-view that when NXT came on, it was almost confusing. Because all they did was run backstage interviews and have two matches. But they let it breathe. And that's the thing. They let it breathe. NXT taped the show. All those matches were taped at Brooklyn. They taped the show, and they let TakeOver breathe. They let their fans, they knew that they had Raw. They knew that they had SmackDown. They knew that they had 205 Live. And NXT said, you know what? You just need to breathe. And you know what they did by doing that, Darnell? They let everything develop. They let the backstage interviews that nobody probably looked at on YouTube or Facebook play on TV. And they said, you know what? We're going to get back to everything next week. Whereas the main roster, they don't have that luxury. But because they don't have that luxury, they ran over everything. Everything got undone. You have the Miz win a match at SummerSlam. Then you say they're going to be in a mixed tag team match at Hell in a Cell. Like, wait a minute, the Miz just won the match that was eight years in the making at a Big Four pay-per-view, and now you're going to ruin it with a mixed tag match at Hell in a Cell? I mean, a rematch in Hell in a Cell is one thing. A rematch in a cage match, a rematch in a street fight, a mixed tag match? The wives got to get into it? I mean, one of the wives did help. Just saying I get it. And you know, you're right. You're not wrong. It's just dude, a mixed tag match. Then you're gonna I mean, wait I, for the I mean I uh, agree with you because I wanted them inside hell in a cell. The Miz has never been inside hell in a cell. All the accomplishment Miz has done as a wrestler. How has he never been inside hell in a cell? And you know what would have been good, Darnell? Oh, uh your wife helped you win. But your wife isn't going to be able to get in hell in a cell. The same way that they say the whole, oh, well, you know, there's no war for him to run now. But one of the ways to win a steel cage match is by escape. Hell in a cell, even though we've only had one women's hell in a cell match, we've had a women's hell in a cell match. That being said, Maurice ain't getting in hell in a cell. Brie Bella damn sure ain't getting in hell in a cell. They ain't been in the match forever. And Maurice just had a baby. That's how you fix that. Put them in hell in the cell. Maurice can't do nothing. And then Brian can see everything coming. Don't make a mixed tag match. Because they can still cheat in the mixed tag match. They can cheat in the mixed tag match. And then what are you going to do? But you know, hey. I mean. Hey. 
Depend depending on how long this rivalry goes, it's gonna show me what it what, what WWE is having. At. So if this rivalry go past on the cell, I know what they're doing. What 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 do you think the payoff is? I say if this goes past on the cell, that let that let, that lets me know we getting back into a long story rivalries. Because mm. we already we already know one's coming for sure. Oh yeah, AJ Styles and Small Joe got some legs on that view. That's gonna go for a while. We predicted another one's coming. What, uh, Randy and Jeff? No, we would. This Dean Ambrose, whenever he turned heel, that's gonna be oh, a yeah, long that, that, That's a long story, yeah. So I'm starting to see, and plus, Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, that could be another because they ain't really fight for nothing yet. They just had a, a, a brawl on SmackDown. <laughs> and but when Jeff you're telling Hardy, a long story, when you're telling a long story, that's what you do. You know, evolution happening in October isn't just going to benefit the women's roster. It's going to be a huge thing for the women's roster, and it's overdue for WWE's women to get this pay-per-view. But we'd all be remiss to say that it kind of leaves a booking hole for the other eight championships on the main roster. But what's going to happen is the writers are going to have to figure out well, what do we do when we can't put them on pay-per-view? Build a long story. Oh, well, you know, that long, those long stories worked out better than we thought. We didn't think the crowd would want to pay attention to a story for that long. Wow. American pro wrestling fans don't want to pay attention to a long feud. Because no American professional wrestling promotions has ever had long feuds and made money. That's why I'm thinking they getting back to telling long story rivalries, which is all the best ones. Yeah, dude, the rock, the the the, the heat between the Rock and Stone Cold, even though they were rarely ever face to face rivals, just the fact that you knew they were competing for who would be the top of the Attitude Era. Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon, WCW, ECW versus WWF. Um, what else? Party. Edge and Kirkman, the Begley's. Matt Hardy, Edge. Edge Kane. Kane, everybody. Uh, Triple H versus the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, some of the best robberies in WWE history took forever. They were forever in the making. Think about this, Darnell. Here's a perfect example. Because we talk about Dean Ambrose. People flashback to when Randy Orton won that one match that never happened in 2004 for the World Heavyweight Championship. That match wasn't even for that one guy. It was so that Randy could eventually turn on Evolution and start a robbery with Triple H. That's the kind of booking WWE used to do. They would end one guy's story just to start somebody else's story. That's what they used to do. But now they make it seem like making a long-term story is so difficult. It's so hard and won't make money. But in reality, they just don't know what to do for that long. Nia Jax, perfect example. They, I mean, granted, they come back and do it because they did it with AJ and Shinsuke. They did six matches. People, you have to remember, 
They wrestled six times, but they didn't wrestle six weeks in a row. The feud was like half a damn year. So, you know, we get each other's point. I feel like the listeners who have made it this far in the episode, they'll get the point. It's just WWE Vincent Man, ever since he went on trial against Congress, you can tell Vince McMahon, he always thought that wrestling was his ticket to being in the entertainment industry. Vince McMahon, I feel like he he knows that he has the number one wrestling promotion. And I think that's why Vince McMahon opened WWE Studios. I think that's why he's going back to the XFL. I think that's why he's letting Triple H do more so of the wrestling expansion, going out and signing independent talent going out and defending the WWE UK Championship in the UK, having all these alliances with Evolve and Progress and stuff. I think he's letting Triple H do that part because he's just done with wrestling. He wants to be in entertainment. When he said sports entertainment so that he wouldn't have to regulate stuff and make sure people weren't testing for drugs, that was basically Vince McMahon's like foray into like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty much at the top of this wrestling stuff. I'm going against Congress on behalf of the entire sport of pro wrestling because of the issues that we're having with our wrestlers dying and being on drugs. Not Eric Bischoff, not Paul Heyman, not Vern Gagne, not Jim Cornette, not whoever founded the NWA that wasn't dead at the time. Me, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, I am representing the entire business of pro wrestling in front of the United States Congress. I guess when Vince would reach that point, WCW happened. He bought WCW, and that was it. WCW wasn't the last one who even made him sweat. Nobody's making him sweat right now because he got the money. Ted Turner had the money to make Vince sweat. But there ain't no Ted Turners out there. There's companies that have money but they don't have as much money as Vince has by himself. If a company owns a wrestling promotion, they're basically funding it and they're hiring the people to run it. Vince runs and owns WWE. It's a public company, yes, but dude, he's the chairman. Nobody's going to vote him out. He, He still is a majority shareholder. He's a majority shareholder. He's the chairman. He, he's not going to have no scandal. His wife is in the cabinet. He just had one of his longer ten, longest tenured employees ever win a mayor seat. Kane's a mayor. Linda McMahon is a small business administration uh, administrator. Dude, Vince is golden. There is not going to be no Papa John scandal to get him kicked out. He won. So either we just wait it out or they kind of get the hint. Because when an independent show does 10,000 in 30 minutes, that's a bad sign, dude. That means that people want something else. And Darnell, mind you, they sold 10,000 tickets in 30 minutes. Darnell, they sold so many tickets so quickly, they realized that they had to broadcast the show because that many people didn't even have a chance to buy a ticket. When the show sells out in 30 minutes, Darnell... Nobody even had a chance to buy a ticket. So then they signed the broadcasting deal. So now they're about to get the broadcasting money. So they got the show money. 
and now they're going to get the broadcasting money because they're going to be on Fight TV. They're going to be on Honor Club. And then the first hour of the show is going to be on WG in America. The boys just got paid. They put up a lot of money. They did a whole lot of promoting, but the boys just made the money back. That's completely ran by wrestlers. Not a single promoter is in the group that's running all in. When you have stuff like that happening where wrestlers are putting on 10,000-seat shows and getting TV deals for one show? Come on, man. You can't be that. You can't be that stuck in your own world that you don't recognize what's going on in the industry that you've been on top of. You, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, that's why the main roster is the way it is. But, you know, this week was this week. And we can only talk about it for so much. So, before we close, Darnell, you got anything? Next week, college football season starts. We already did all our, our five conference talks. We did our group of five talks. We're going to get into the real action now, starting next week. But we'll also do some NFL talk. We'll probably go – we'll recap divisions. We'll add the wild cards, MVPs, rookies to look for. So, that's next week. All right. Time for my weekly go watch something else. Uh, This week, for you guys that don't really know, I've been working, really covering the Indies a lot since 2016. I worked for the NWA as like a staff writer, and now I'm pretty much in like a really buddy-buddy relationship with an independent promotion and Supreme Wrestling in Indiana. Um, on my Facebook account, facebook.com slash dallas.glenn.9. If you're really shy, you don't want to add me. I have a follow button so you can still follow me or I'll add you back. If you add me, I'm still like way under 5,000 friends. I wrote a column about Supreme wrestling. Um, you could say I'm biased, but really in actuality, I'm not a historian. I'm a journalist, but, uh, I've spent so much time with this promotion since they were a part of the old NWA, that I've just learned a lot about it. I don't think that when I first started covering them, I could start a series of columns about them. But after talking to the workers, after talking to the promoter, after talking to the veterans, after being a part of that, like, family, I'm not in the locker room yet. I'm trying hard, but I'm, like, you know, being a part of the organization, I've finally gotten enough information and enough of a rep to go for it on a bigger platform and try to start a series of columns. So it's going to be the Supreme Wrestling newsletter, me and the play-by-play commentator for Supreme Wrestling. We get a kick out of that because we always like to make fun of Dave Meltzer. So on my Facebook page, Dallas.Glenn.9, I can't remember the whole hyperlink for the column, and I can't really paste it on a podcast. I shared it. It's still going to be at the top. I'm going to keep sharing it. So um, check it out because – the PWGs of the world, the AAWs in Chicago, Beyond Wrestling, Freelance Wrestling, CZW, MCW in Maryland, FIP down near Orlando. Like, you know, these promotions don't just happen overnight. It takes time and it takes people like us in the media and people like you, the fans, to help get them over. These promotions aren't making a crap ton of money, man. Like, the American independent scene 
is under the foot of WWE and it's under the thigh of Ring of Honor. Impact is starting to get better, but, you know, they have the luxury of having a parent company with money. When you watch an independent promotion, when you support an independent promotion, the word independent isn't like some trendy thing. It's, it's legitimate. These are companies privately owned by dudes who are putting their life savings up. These guys got day jobs. Like very few promoters on the indies promoting independent wrestling is their day job. So, you know, everybody likes to hitch a ride when a promotion is already popular. Everybody likes to be fans of CZW after Dean Ambrose left, after Luke Harper left. Everybody likes to be fans of PWG when the Young Bucks and Adam Cole and Kevin Steen and all them. Like, dude, like, PWG's been around since, like, 2006. They're just now getting the adulation of being known as, like, a top 15 promotion in the world. American independence, it takes forever. So I hope you pay attention to this column. I hope you read this column. I hope you stick around with Supreme and me as we both grow as this column develops. Because I think that Supreme Wrestling is really, really close to being like the most consistent independent promotion in Indiana. And the promoter is working like really, really hard as a businessman to take those next steps to get his brand out there. So that's that. Once again, because I can't paste the link, facebook.com slash Dallas, D-A-L-L-A-S dot Glenn, G-L-E-N-N dot nine, the number nine. And that's it for me. So, ladies and germs, hope you have fun this episode. I hope you got the vent right along with us about SummerSlam and the shows after. We're still confused. We're just kind of sort of tired of talking about how confused we are. So, until next week, later.